Yo, it's time to step into the business bubble. <laughs> Pop your team, man. It's recording. All right. Yeah. Sponsored by 1014, guys. 1014. <laughs> Thanks, Ping. Are you a fan of the paper straws, though? Mm. You know, I'm like, honestly, look, I don't want to get cancelled, but yeah, paper straws, like, paper straws suck, but. They do suck. Yeah. And um, the, grass, the grass straws are way better. Oh, have you tried the wheat straws? Yeah, is like it, those ones. That, yeah, yeah like, like the grass ones. They're yeah. made out of grass or wheat or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the wheat ones dissolve a little bit. I had that in Fiji, but the grass ones, it's made out of like a leaf or something like that, and it doesn't dissolve, and um, it's pretty good. But these paper ones, they disintegrate in like 10 seconds. So Man, soggy suck. straws, man. Bro, they don't work, and it's just, yeah, it's just horrible. It tastes shit. Yeah, it's just shit. It tastes shit. Mm. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very concerned, like, because all my early episodes that are published now, I haven't actually put the, the explicit thing on there yet, mm-hmm. but then as I got more into it I realised it's starting throwing the F-bombs the S-bombs I'm going yeah yeah forget about it yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. shit whatever okay well well, you tell me if you want swearing or not because I'm I'm a big swearer so oh I love it man that's why that's why you're here okay first thing Aussie Aussie, you you posted something and it said the Aussie mentality is shit yeah tell me what you mean okay so like when I travel overseas I used to travel quite a bit Um, I've been to America I lived in America for a bit I've been all over Asia um, and particularly Southeast Asia so the work ethic there is intense it's very different compared to work culture over here Mm -hmm. and I completely get a lot of the comments and the sentiments that I get in my comment section Um, a lot of people saying you know we have the best work work balance environment in the world which I completely agree to but work-life balance doesn't equate to work ethic they're two completely different things and if you get confused with that, well, then you probably need to go back to school, right, to understand what it actually means. But, you know, with work ethic and work-life balance, they're two different things. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, that's why Asians suicide a lot, blah, blah, blah. They jump out of buildings. There's nets around towers. That happens here too. You know, every year someone might jump off the Centerpoint Tower or in one of the office buildings. It happens all the time. Mm. In the middle of the Sydney CBD, people do kill themselves because of work-life stress. And They don't publish it though. They don't publish it. and Even it the trains. Yeah. Even the trains. The train suicides, there's so many every single year and it's- there's just heaps, right? Because there's so much overwhelming pressure. But people always bring it back to Asian culture. They go, oh, you know, you guys have run sweatshops and factories, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, everything you have in life is made from, well, China in a lot of the cases. And if they're not making it, you're going to have to make it. So it's either they have that work lifestyle or you have that work lifestyle. It's your choice. So we can't sit here in a privileged position and say, well, you know, fuck, well, they have a shit lifestyle and you now are feeling entitled because you live in Australia or whatever it is. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the message is there is a certain work ethic that a lot of Asians are born with and raised with that a lot of the Western civilization do not have. Mm-hmm. And whether that's America, whether that's Australia, in Western culture, the work ethic is quite different. Now, when I go to America, especially being in the startup space, I don't work in the corporate space. I'm not the nine to five corporate office worker. I build startups and a lot of my friends in America build startups that are worth tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, when they talk about uh, work culture, especially when I was living in LA, one of the craziest cities in America in terms of work-life balance or in terms of just work ethic and you know people being pretty hardcore at trying to build a future they don't like Aussies there why they like Aussies because they're fun to hang around with they Mm -hmm. like Aussies because you know we're funny we're open we're chill we love having a great great banter Mm -hmm. Um, but when it comes down to working it's very rare to have Aussies that you know push as hard as other countries do and so I was actually recounting this on one of my TikToks um, 
And I was talking about it at Macca's, funnily enough. And it was just actually a casual conversation I was having with um, Paul. And um, we were just having a chat about work-life culture and my experience in America. And I mentioned that whenever I speak to Americans, especially entrepreneurs over there, and they hear my accent, they go, oh, you guys are the lazy bunch. And right. I was like, you know, and I was recounting that. And then that gets taken out of context, as everything always does. And then, you know, people start to shit on me. So, you know, it just has a whole comment section full of racism. You know, people going, oh, you've never worked a day in your life. Go be a tradie, you know, work under the sun and blah, blah, blah. I work 10 hours a day. I'm like, well, that's great. I work 16 hours a day and I do it seven days a week, not five. So, you know, it's like... People take things out of context and mm -hmm. because of entitlement, people feel like they have the right to opinion, right. Um, especially in things that they don't know much about or yeah. they haven't seen much about. I guarantee you, if you have traveled outside of Australia, you would have seen the different types of working environments overseas. And the argument over here is, well, we get paid good and we get all these benefits and, and that's exactly what makes us, you know. Why do you, why do you think Chinese culture works so damn hard though? I think we have something to prove, especially to our parents, a yeah. lot of us. Um, we have a lot of things to prove for ourselves. And I think it's just the environment. It's always been like that. You know, grow, like in China, our parents grew up in a lot of like communist societies. And you were born in China, right? No, I was actually born in Australia. You're born so here? I'm, I'm an Aussie. So I'm born Aussie. here. I'm born cool, here. Cool, cool. But um, I'm on the same not, page. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm born here. So I understand both sides of the story. I see, I hear the stories my parents tell me. And a lot of back then, you know, during those village lives, they would have to work for the community and they'll have to do certain things. And if you don't work hard, you don't get anything in life. Mm -hmm. And that's how it is. So that's, we work hard, work fast, and you get the job done. And that's essentially the work ethic of the Chinese people back then. And you look at it now, those people have now created gigafactories and, you know, they've created gigantic um, sort of financial gains yep. simply because of how much work they used to be putting in back then. You know, a lot of people always argue certain points and we can argue certain points forever, right? How many people are in China, like what happens? And I don't really want to dive into that. It's more so like the work ethic is very different and you'll go to no matter which workplace and there's two sides of the story again, like everyone's going to fight over it. There's going to be a heads and a tails all the time. There's going to be a boss. There's going to be an employee. They're going to fight all the time. The boss wants the employee to work for the least amount and the employee wants to work the least for the most amount. Like there's always going to be a battle there and everyone's going to trigger each other bosses are, bosses hate lazy staff and you know employees hate greedy bosses and it's, it's always going to be a battle there but if you don't actually sit there and be self-aware enough to go okay cool I'm a boss I need to be empathetic for my employees or I'm an employee I need to be empathetic for my boss you're never going to create a workplace environment where you guys can mutually grow and benefit each other and I don't think a lot of people realize that in life everything you do is a choice you know and the work that you do is a choice people believe that they're entitled to a job number one and number two is that when they're entitled to this job they should have xyz but the fact is your boss has worked their ass off you know and they have put in significant financial risk to create an opportunity that even allows you to have the opportunity to work let alone for you to be able to sit there and reap the benefits that the government forces your boss to put down into the workplace right Australia is one of the best working places in the world but it's also one of the hardest places to do business for any business owner out there they'll know wages are super high there's benefits that you have to pay to your employees you know there's taxes everywhere one of the highest tax countries right and also at the same time like we have to figure out how to do this startup ourselves you know, it's very hard to get the loans approved or very hard to get, you know, financing or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And even if you get financing, that's not your own money. So mm -hmm. if you fail, you're completely fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you owe them afterwards. You, you owe them afterwards. So like that's <clears throat> the situation that it is. Um, and I think just a lot of people don't want to or they just are unaware.
mm. of both sides of the story. And I don't blame them. It's absolutely okay, right? Because, you know, although it's much easier to be on both sides of the pages as being an employee first beco before becoming a boss than to just becoming a boss and then understand the employee side, you know, there's always going to be two sides of that coin and you have to be empathetic about it. If not empathetic, at least, you know, try to put yourself in the shoes of the other person and, you know, try to live that life or understand where they're coming from. And the problem with social media nowadays is attention span is so short, <laughs> you know, and people are just going to make assumptions straight away. Right. And right now I always say this, you know, because I have an Asian face, but like an Aussie accent, people are always going to give me shit because I still see there's a lot of inherent racism still out there. And so, you know, a lot of this sort of stuff, if said by a Caucasian, wouldn't actually get flagged mm -hmm. and people actually wouldn't be throwing racist slurs or comments in the comment section. Mm -hmm. Now, but because I'm Asian, a lot of people see that, oh, you know, they're able to do that because that's the easiest thing to attack is the color of my skin mm -hmm. or, you know, my accent. People are always saying, like, I get this comment all the time. Stop pretending you're a Lebo. I'm like, bro, this is my accent. I grew up, all my friends are Lebos or Islanders. Like, <laughs> I'm not pretending. This is just my actual accent. Like, what the fuck do you want me to sound like? You want me to, you want me to sound like, what well, I'm speaking Chinese or something. <laughs> so, like, I'm an Aussie through and through and a lot of the comments always go, you know, stop pretending you're speaking English. I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? This is um, how we are. That, that, that's just different it, man. Different That's areas. Different suburbs, man. Different oh, suburbs, wow. different areas. Shit, haven't you been to Bankstown? All I'll, the Asians there sound like this. I was born there. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> I had a basketball team, right? So mm. there was, um, there's, there's, they're all lebs, right? Mm. And then they asked me to jump on and help them out. Mm. And then one of the other teams said, hey, where did you, how'd you get that Asian guy? And I said, dude, I was born in Greenacre. Yeah, exactly. I am exactly. half leb myself. Exactly. Yeah, don't be racist. Exactly, yeah. man. And, and that's what I mean. Like, racism is still inherent. Like, we can all joke about all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like Aussies love to have a joke about all of these sort of things. They're not serious about it. But then when it comes down to serious racism, like it still exists, mm -hmm. you know. And that bamboo ceiling, Yeah, right? exactly. And I still see it now. Like, you know, I used to think, oh, you know, we're such a multicultural country and which we, which we are. Right. And that sort of kind of veil has lifted a lot since, you know, the early 2000s or even before that. But, you know, there is still a lot of racism around and mm -hmm. a lot of people just can't hack it that, you know, there are people that are different. And I think it's not just racism. It's just it's just always going to be discrimination, whatever it is, right? Whether mm -hmm. there is someone different, they're always going to attack the different person because it triggers them um, in a way that they can't comprehend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, comprehension comes down to your understanding of the world. And if your understanding of the world is quite narrow, you don't read books, you don't travel, you don't have successful friends, like how are you really going to understand how the world works? Mm -hmm. And what you don't understand scares you. And I completely get that. And if there are things that I say or there are things that trigger you and it scares you, then it ultimately shows you, hey, this is an area in your life that, life that you're lacking. Mm -hmm. And you have two choices to make here. Either one, you get scared and you try to attack it. Or number two, you actually try to understand it and go, oh, fuck, you know what? He might actually be right. Mm, fight or flight, right? Correct. Is that why you think that Chinese people work so damn hard in, over, in China? Because that is how they get judged. So mm. whereas we <coughs> might get judged by the color of our skin, they get judged by their work ethic. Yeah, correct. Like in yeah. China, in Southeast Asia, people work hard not because they have to work hard mm. people work hard because number one they have something to prove to themselves mm. and number two your results are ultimately what determine who you are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can work hard all you want but if you don't have the results, you're just going to be, you know, wasting your time working hard. But if you're working hard, you're working smart and you get the results, then that's what matters. Like the journey doesn't matter for a lot of people. You have yeah. to realize that the journey doesn't matter. It's the end result that matters. And no matter how hard you work, if you don't get the results, then you're just working away, breaking your body for nothing. Mm. You know, and I don't want to draw this comparison, but there's a very clear distinction here between working hard and actually getting results. I work 16 hour days, but I work 16 hour days because I have six businesses to look 
after. So even if you were to break that down, I technically only work about two and a half, three hours per business per day, right? Now, for a lot of people, they might work 16 hour days, you know, out there, I don't know, digging holes or, you know, building stuff or whatever it is, right? But ultimately, at the end of the day, if they don't have the results that someone else has, then they get judged based on that. And that's life. Life is a is a game where we're, the, the, the person before you is going to judge you for what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be like that. Well, so you've got different businesses. And can you tell me what the difference between a business owner is and mm-hmm. a business operator? Yeah, so a business owner is a person who can execute on top of on top of the business. They'll look at the vision, they'll look at the yep. direction of a business, they'll look at how to place the systems processes and they'll kind of manage from an overall point of view. They'll have an overarching point of view compared to just a business operator which sees the day-to-days and on the ground. Mm. You know, oftentimes for a small business startup, you're both. You're both You're both a business owner and a business operator because you can't afford a manager. You can't afford someone to replace you and so you, for a certain period of time, you have to learn operations as well as management as well as vision um, and that's the hard thing about being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. You know, once you can become an entrepreneur that's successful enough or have enough capital behind you where you can stay as a visionary, that's when you can truly become one of those big shot entrepreneurs that are doing 10, 20, you know, 50, 100, 200 million dollars a year because that allows you to have the freedom and time to do business deals, expand the business, add product lines, figure out different ways to market. That's your job after that. However, for most startup entrepreneurs, when you're doing sub a million dollars, majority of the time, you're going to be stuck in your business going, you know, every single day fuck this is broken that's broken and sometimes that happens you know for all my yeah. businesses they're in different phases in their yeah. growth cycle which means for some I'm still an operator for some I get to give you know orders and direct people into the right pathway yeah so where did it start for you my parents were small business owners um, in Australia they worked their asses off um, they came to Australia with nothing yeah. and they were making like a couple of dollars a day respect peanuts. sounds like my parents peanuts man. bro Yeah, 100%. and they used to work three jobs 16 to 18 hours a day my mum mm. used to work at like Kodak and then she would go work at the bakery my dad would do the same he'd be a cleaner at night bakery in the morning and then he'll do like sewing factory in the, uh, in the afternoon so they would work two to three jobs each 14 to 18 hours a day each six mm. seven days a week after that they saved up enough money started a small business I saw that growing up I was in that growing up you know I was a teller boy at like five years old you know just on the till um, and then you know I started to learn a lot of things from my parents and then I started my first business at about 14 14 and a half nice yeah. while you were at school while I was at school yeah so I was doing um, I started doing mobile tutoring I was teaching kids how to get into selective school nice so because I had like this process that I learned from my dad yeah. so I thought I'll teach that and then so I was like you know what I used to make $7 an hour at the fruit shop sorry $6 an hour at the fruit shop and then I was like, okay, but if I went to do mobile tutoring, I charge a travel fee plus I charge an hourly rate, <laughs> I'd make 50 bucks an hour. And I was like, holy crap, like I can instantly 8x my return. Right. Right. And so that's that's where I started at 14. And during that process, I was always doing random things like selling chocolates, selling Tarzos, you know. And hey, I think yeah. that, that story is quite synonymous with a lot of um, young entrepreneurs in Australia mm. is that they were always thinking of ways to hustle. Mm. And you realize the only way to break the time for money trap is to sell. Mm-hmm. And if you if you start to generate income through results rather than through time, that's the only way you can actually break that time for money trap. And mm. so you learn that very early on and then you start to push for it because um, I was actually quite fortunate. My mom got me the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was 12 years old and it taught me you can't trade time for money, you have to build assets. And so mm. you know after going through there and learning all of that sort of skills, like very basic financial skills, um, it actually helped me think differently to kind of break that mold and yeah. um, start to do things different to my friends. So what? point did you know that hey after I finished school did you go to uni mm-hmm. yeah I did I should finish uni as well yep 
And so what, what did you do? At, you know, how did you decide what course you wanted to do at uni? Okay, that was, that's hard, right? Because when I wanted to first go to uni, I went to Sydney Boys. Yeah. So it's a very academically selective smart school. All my friends were getting 98, 99, ATAR, yeah. and I actually rocked up. And I think I ended up with 89.7 or something. 89.6, 89.7. It's good, man. I was sub-90 ATAR. Bro, I hit the high 70s, man. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> I hit the sub-90 ATAR, and um, I was like bottom 30 in my grade. And I was like, holy fuck, my life is over. I'm going to go join the army. And I was like, you know, I was going to go join the army. And my um, my girlfriend at the time, uh, well, not my girlfriend, uh, one of the girls that I was hanging out with at the time, she was like, oh, no, don't join the army. You're going to go die. What's the <laughs> point? And then I was like- oh, That's such an Asian thing to say as well. Literally, literally. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, literally. And then uh, my parents always wanted me to go down to the field of uh, nutrition. So I was like, I was, I was quite interested in it uh, because I started, you know, I wanted to be- like fitness changed my life. You know, I was the fat kid in school and I was always like overweight and then I started getting into the gym and that really helped me change the way I, I thought about things, gave me discipline. And so when I was like 17, I kind of like applied online for like this online fitness certificate and so I started to become a personal trainer. Mm. I never finished it and I still owe like, I, I owed like 12 grand for it because that's how much it used to cost. And so now it's a part of my hex debt. But, you know, it's <laughs> like, and I signed up for that super early. <laughs> the hex debt, man. The hex debt kills me. 7% now. Bro, the CPI just, just absolutely <laughs> blasted me. Um, and then so I was like, yeah, I, I had to drop some money in there to drop it. Right. But, but like, you know, during that process, I became a personal trainer um, and I started doing fitness. And I was teaching classes and I was teaching sport um, and I started to develop a real passion passion for fitness and so um, I started to really explore that pathway and I wanted to become a dietitian uh, yep. going to uni and Sydney University at the time had a course which was a bachelor's of science slash master's of dietetics and that course was a 98.7 ATAR course <laughs> and so when I looked at my ATAR I was like oh shit I got 89.7 <laughs> plus three bonus marks or whatever I'm like I'm on I'm low 90 I'm never gonna make it and I was like fuck my life is <laughs> over I'm done I'm never gonna be smart my friends are gonna <laughs> think I'm a flop and I was like all my friends were off going to do med law com law of course man all my friends are off there now in investment banks and they're yep. doctors and lawyers you know and these guys are on like half a million dollar salary now they're like 26 27 years old like awesome you know they're absolutely crushing in the corporate game right but during that moment you don't think about anything else besides i'm fucked <laughs> uh, i got no pathway left <laughs> in and life I, literally and then my my last uh my last option was that uh, i put down bachelors of science because it was like an 82 ATAR thing yeah. and i was like fuck it's a backup like you know i'm never gonna be you know in a position where i need to go for my backup option and you know lo and behold i fucking ended up with my backup option nice. and then so bachelors of science absolutely useless degree um <laughs> you know it does nothing just like a bachelors of commerce yeah and it's a pathway course into something else right most of the time and then so I did like I did bachelor's of science at Sydney Uni finished it I majored in nutrition and dietetics um, and physiology and so they gave me the call back to go and do the masters and I was like I sat there I looked at the numbers one day and I was like fuck $82,000 over two years to do a master's degree that's 40 grand a year yeah yeah, fuck it, I'm out. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I remember the head lecturer messaged me. She she sent me an email. She's like, Alan, are you coming back? I was like, look, Wendy, um, I'm good. I'll see you in a couple of years. As <laughs> so I, I bounced and uh, I started to do my own thing and I started to do like um, online PT. I was one of the first in Australia and one of the first Asian influencers in the fitness space. Yeah. You know, back in 2013, I think I had like fuck how many like 16 to 18,000 followers back then and that's that was awesome. like that was that was big on Instagram back then now every every man and their dog has 18,000 followers um, or you can buy then, them 
Yeah, or you could buy them. Buy them. Yeah, so yeah, back yeah. then, you know, me and my friend, we had a competition. We were like, what can we do to make money? And so we're like, let's try this social media thing. Mm-hmm. So we were one of the first content creators and I was one of the first Asian content creators in the fitness space. Um, and we started to do all that sort of stuff. And that was my first exposure to learning what like sponsorships and marketing mm-hmm. and creating videos and, you know, doing all of these brand deals and affiliate marketing. I started to explore that world and, you know, that's kind of like where it went off from there. But yeah, I did go to uni, did the whole thing, finished it because... You know, I'm the first person in my family to get a uni degree. And I was like, okay, cool. Did that, done that. And now I'm 50K in debt. Great. <laughs> and I look at the CPI of 7% and I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Was that worth it? <laughs> Fuck. Hell no. <laughs> Bro, my, my, if you, my certificate has cobwebs all over it. <laughs> it's my one sitting at my grandpa's house. Mm. So he literally has one for my, all my aunties and uncles. Mm. And then my sister has one. I have one. Yeah. And he goes, are you going to get another one? I said, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> no way. What, what for? Exactly. What for? So you can have a little piece of paper out exactly. there. Yeah? 50 grand for a piece of paper is not worth it to me. You know, 50 grand for me, I could start two other businesses. So, Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. When people see you online and you, know, you have a social media following all of that <laughs> stuff, what kind of um, perception do you want people to have of you? Or do you actually care about what people think Look, of you? Look, I, I actually, one, I don't give a fuck about what people think of me um, because I know who I am. I'm very true to myself and I'm very genuine in, in every aspect of my life life how like I, I i say this all the time how you see me in person is going to be exactly how i am online mm-hmm. i say the same shit i talk the same i might be even more like raw offline um when you meet me but i'm who i am like when my followers reach out to me on instagram or tiktok or they dm me i'd always take a minute to respond wherever i can mm-hmm. i respond to all my comments i respond to all my dms like i'm just an average person like you know you yeah there's no there's no difference between you and me it's just i have taken full control of my life and full responsibility Mm -hmm. and i'm not afraid of sharing that with the world no Mm -hmm. matter what judgment comes my way and i'm not afraid of judgment from people who whether they understand me or don't understand me that's not my core but i've always lived with the philosophy that if there is one sentence that i write because I like to write really lengthy Instagram posts. You know, if there's one sentence that I write or if there's one video that I make that can change someone's life, mm-hmm. that's what I do it for. I do it for the message in the inbox that goes, thank you, Alan, for that video that I watched five years ago that changed my life. And, you know, I'm very grateful now. I'm very blessed that I get at least one of those, you know, messages every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been getting one of those messages every week for at least maybe the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm very blessed to be in a position where um, a lot of people actually get a lot of value from what I say and teach. And, you know, I don't do a course. I don't do anything like that. I just genuinely share my experience as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and my values, my vision. And I share like, you know, my thoughts and mm-hmm. ideas. Um, and it's just super cool. Like every time I go out and someone's like, oh shit, you know, I've seen your videos. I started my business because of that. Or like I dropped out of uni and I'm doing this now and I'm making X amount of money. You know, like I'm having a stronger relationship with my partner, with my friends. And you know, that's that's why I do what I do. So honestly, mm. you can judge me all you want. I don't care what you think of me. If that one person in my comments is, you know, getting an impact and is changing their life, look, you can think that, I'm an idiot. You can think I'm stupid. You can think, you know, I'm whatever or you want. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at, at the end of the day, if my words and my sentences, my my stories can change someone's life, I'm doing it for them and mm-hmm. not for you. That's that's all it is. Mm. You know, you say people reach out through to you through yes. Instagram, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Do you believe that anyone can be an entrepreneur? Anyone can start? Or do you have to have a certain, <clears throat> like a X factor? I don't think everyone can make it. Mm. I think the majority of people actually cannot make it. And, the people that can make it, there is something inside of them that is quite different. However, that doesn't mean that just because, you know, it, everyone's different, right? 
everyone has the ability to create something of themselves. That level of something is going to be different person to person. But the first thing that ultimately needs to happen is that switching the mindset and that belief in yourself. Mm. The reason why majority of people won't make it in life, quote unquote make it, sure. is because they don't have the mindset to support the vision or the dreams that they want. Now, I've spoken to thousands of kids. I've done you know seminars in front of tens of thousands of people. I've spoken to thousands of people over the last couple of years. And I always have this thing. I have young kids come up to me, 18, 19, up to 25-year-olds. Alan, I'm going to join you at the top. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then two, three years long, like later, they're surprised because I actually follow up on some of them, right? Because they connect with me and I go, hey, how's everything going? You know, have you started on XYZ? They're like, oh, no, I gave up, blah, 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 blah. And you start to look and you analyze these people, hundreds of these kids that have come through. Out of hundreds that come up to me, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be super successful, I'm going to make money, I'm going to do whatever. One out of 100, one out of 200 maybe will actually go out and do it. And that's what's crazy to me. And that's what inspires me to, to create content every day, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the sort of person that I want to reach out to, that one in 100, one in 200. Mm. And it's really interesting because the people that actually make it in life, you can start to see them. Like you speak to enough people, you see enough success, you see enough people that are rags to riches. And then every time you meet someone by their mannerism, by the way they perform, by the way they act, you can start to begin to create a very high possibility in terms of their success rate. And it's really cool when you see that. And when you track these people over time, you start to see, yes, you know, that type of person, that type of person is going to make it, that type of person doesn't. Mm-hmm. So every time I get interns come through the door or every time I meet people that like, I want to achieve X, Y, Z, I go, well, fuck, I don't think at this stage you're going to make it. You're mm-hmm. not going to become successful in X, Y, Z. So here are the things you need to do in order to increase your statistics and increase your odds because everything in life comes down to you know possibility. It comes down to a percentage. It becomes it comes down to a chance. But that chance of creating success for yourself is determined by XYZ factors. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a current position where I go, hey, look, you probably won't make it, you have to self-reflect and be aware enough to be like, okay, fuck, either Alan's going to trigger me right now thinking that I can't make it, or I sit down and go, okay, shit, what do I need to do in order to improve my odds of being successful? And so that's really interesting. And I, I take that from my cousin, actually. My cousin's a very successful entrepreneur. Um, I had never met him in my life until about four or five years ago. Oh. And uh, when I first met him, you know, I read about his company in the New York Times. And a uh, man just sold his uh, business for $250 million um, in America. So quite successful to a very large electronics company. And um, I remember taking my best friend to meet him. And my best friend asked him, hey, you know, do you think I'd ever become successful in XYZ? And my cousin literally looked him in the eyes and goes, fuck no, you got no chance. <laughs> Zero chance. <laughs> and my friend sat there and he goes, like he's, he's got a very high ego. Yeah. And um, he just goes, what the fuck? Why not? Yeah. You know, why can't I? And then my cousin just goes to him, well, that's because you never went through and got a university education. You don't think critically enough of things. Um, and, you know, your sales skills are mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. And then so in the last three, four years, he's actually spent a lot of time working on it. Mm. And um, that's really good because, you know, you can either make two decisions in that point. It's either fuck, well, fuck this guy. Yep. Or the second one is, well, fuck this guy. Let me prove him <laughs> wrong, right? Like, let me, let, me, let me go and work on it so that I can actually be good and I can actually work on these things that this guy who is extremely successful has identified that I suck at. Right. You have that choice and it's your ego. If you can't control your ego, you can't emotionally control yourself, you're never going to progress in life because right. you can't take criticism and you can't take someone telling you. I get this all the time. I always reach out to mentors. 
or, as, or I've always had people successful in my life go to me, Alan, hey, you know, you talk too much, you talk too fast, you don't think a lot, like, you know, you're fucking stupid and, you know, like, you know, there are people smarter than you, faster than you, better than you. I get this all the time. I get barraged by it and I have the choice to make. Either I sit down, wallow in it, or I sit down, I take ownership of it and go, fuck, well, maybe that's what I need to work on. And so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see. Um, and, you know, going back to the point is ultimately for people to succeed, it comes down to a matter of self-awareness and that real pure hunger mm -hmm. that can't be given to you by anyone else that you want it. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to truly want inside of you. Like I used to always say, there are a couple of things that I can't teach. And the, the first one is that fire, that hunger. I can't teach fire and hunger. And the second one, I can't teach an open mind. You know, there are a lot of people that are just skeptical their whole entire lives. I can't teach that. It's your choice whether you want to think in a certain way. And if you're closed-minded, I can't teach you anything. But if you have fire and hunger and you have an open mind, you can learn anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can teach you anything that you want to learn. Mm -hmm. But it takes time. And so you can't cheat time and you have to give that time and to learn the experience and to gain the perspectives. And so, yeah, success doesn't come to everyone. It comes to the people who truly want to work on themselves mm -hmm. and develop in a position where they could gain the self-awareness to know that, hey, life is kind of like a game. You mm -hmm. collect different attributes and skills and, you know, you learn different things and you gain different perspectives and you're able to put the puzzle, you know, you're able to put the puzzle together and figure out the shortcut to success. Well, you got fire and then you got hunger. Yeah. Where do you balance the ego and humility then? So ego comes from, I always say this to my whole team and I said this to them, Recently as well, maybe like two or three days ago, I was like, you know, trust me, if you think you're good, there's always a five-year-old kid in China in the mountains somewhere who's probably better than you. Oh, dude, 100%. <laughs> so, you know, and that's yeah. fact. That's fact. And so the more you think you're better than someone else, and the truth is, if you were really better than everyone else, why aren't you a multimillionaire? Mm. why aren't you on the cover of Forbes if mm. you're truly that good why aren't you on the cover of Forbes mm. even me I need to control my ego all the time so I'm like okay I've created multiple businesses you know I've built three million dollar businesses in three years in three different niches and I'm like yeah but I'm not that good I'm not like Davey Fogarty I'm not I'm not on Shark Tank I don't, I'm not, I don't have a business worth 500 million dollars I'm not 27 worth close to a billion dollars that's not me so am I really as good as I think I am probs not mm -hmm. I've done okay mm -hmm. but am I really that amazing no not really and so it's up to us whether we want to control that ego and know that hey you know there is so much more for us to learn because you know we always know this right the more you learn the more you don't know and it's really quite a scary thing and until you can come to terms with that you're never really going to progress in life right Yeah. you have to truly truly be committed to the game Right. Know? committed to the journey as much as the journey doesn't matter and that's pretty profound it's pretty scary too you know and ultimately you can't have the results and the success or the finish story unless you go through that journey and yeah. as much as the journey doesn't mean anything without the success you still have to go through it anyway so how many hours how many days how many years can you go on behind the scenes without anyone ever recognizing you so that you can have that one day where you go fuck i made it Mm. And then a lot of that is all comes down to one, the, the first step. Because so many people get caught in their head. I can, I can imagine all these people that message you, they say, hey, Alan, what's the secret? What do I need to do? Oh, bro, I should pull up my DMs today. I got two of those today. Hey, bro, <laughs> what business should I start? I got 50 grand. You know, what sort of business should I start? I get, those, I get at least two to three of them a day. So what do you reply back to them? I'm like, look, honestly, bro, if you want me to tell you what business to start, number one, that's too general of a question. Yeah, okay. And this is, you know, this is a good one for the viewers. If they ever want to ask anyone questions, whether it's a mentor or someone you're inspired by, whatever it is, if you want to ask questions, good questions equals good answers. The more general your question is, the, the more like, 
how can I say the more basic your question is the shitter the answer you're going to get and you're never going to get what you're looking for mm. and ultimately it's well I want to say it's disrespectful I would just say it's a waste of time mm. like I can't sit here explaining to you why you should start a business what business you want to start I don't even know who you are I don't know your context I don't know what you're good at I don't know your skills I don't know your experience so how can I sit here and just go oh yeah Alan I got 50 grand what should I start there is no answer to that mm. and I always tell them look honestly there's no answer to that let's start off with what you're passionate about and what you can identify as a problem then we can potentially talk about what business you can start mm. you know there's there's no point in me answering going oh yeah maybe you should go into drop shipping go into affiliate marketing go into this go into that but no like a lot of these gurus out there they always tell you oh digital marketing is the best thing social media management is the best thing oh go to ai chatbots whatever blah 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 and now you have a bunch of 16 year olds running around with zero experience zero industry knowledge and they're asking businesses for thousands of dollars trying to run their marketing it's like you are playing with other people's businesses and livelihoods mm -hmm. if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about you sh probably shouldn't be doing that even yeah. though someone you saw online tells you that it's easier to make money that way yeah that's uh, it's common sense, you know. I get yeah, those so messages all the time all on the my time. Instagram. Yeah, correct. Yeah, now, now they're starting to grow. Mm. Now I'm starting to get random people messaging me, mm. and they go, "Hey, I'll run your social media." Yeah, like, dude, I don't, you have like five people following you. And correct. Said, Show me your stuff. What have you got? Correct. Oh, just send me some of your stuff, and I'll create it for you. Yeah, correct. Like I'll edit your videos for you. Blah blah blah. You know. And I was like, oh, I'm just like, man. Honestly, I told you, I don't need video editors right now. And that's the thing a lot of people don't get. Like, it's it's one is social etiquette. Um, which I think a lot of the new generation don't have. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just common sense for our generation. But in terms of social etiquette, in terms of communication, mm -hmm. a lot of the, what are they now? Gen Zs mm -hmm. um, don't really possess that skill. What year were you born in? I'm born in 95. Mm, I'm so, 92. Okay, so mm, I'm 95. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm technically a millennial borderline Gen Z. Gen Z starts from mm. 96, I think, onwards. Um, so yeah, I'm borderline. So I kind of understand both sides. But the thing is, you need to understand in real life, like a lot of the shit that young kids say online nowadays, if they said it in person, will get them slapped, <laughs> you know, back in the day. Keyboard like, warriors. <laughs> oh, literally, like yeah, those yeah. keyboard warriors back in the day, if they said it in the playground, they get bashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but nowadays, it's nowadays because they're you're protected. They're protected. Oh, oh now imagine everyone's IP was revealed. Oh, no, like, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a whole communication thing. But yeah, like in terms of starting a business and people getting started, like honestly, if you're really worried about getting started, Think about, like I always say this first, think about the amount of money that you're willing to go to zero right now and that is your experiment money and go and figure out a problem to solve and then do whatever you can within that budget to try and solve that problem. That's it. You know, and that's probably the easiest way for you to get started in any sort of business rather than going, oh, maybe I'll do dropshipping, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. I'll find some dog shit product on AliExpress and I'll sell that. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's not that simple. Business mm. is not as simple as these gurus make it seem mm. because they're trying to make your money through their course mm. you know and that's probably why like if they're trying to sell you a $400 course on how to make a million dollars a year you probably want to question yourself a little bit too yeah you know the real guys don't really actually tell you no unless you have a conversation sit down with them correct. and you go oh uh, correct. really correct unless unless you pay this you know <clears throat> if you want to really get that value you pay one of these people that have done it before yeah. you pay for one on one mentorship you yeah. don't pay for a course in the one on one they'll tell you but in the actual course, like generic course, they're not going to tell you in a $400 course. Hell no. But they'll tell you if you're like, hey, can I be a one-on-one -on -one student with you over the next six months? I'll pay you 10 grand to sit in with you in your meetings, to come with you, to help you out and you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That works. Yeah. You know, I when I wanted to learn from my cousin after I figured out that he had that massive exit, um, you know, he became, he rose really quickly. He was the number one selling product on Amazon, number one selling product in Walmart. 
um, number one selling product in Kmart as well. What was it? In consumer electronics. So, oh, okay. so yeah, so it was a consumer electronics. Um, it was a home cooking device. Huh. So I don't know if you're much into cooking, um, Nate, for yourself. But yeah. yeah, if you're into cooking and you're into sous vide, my cousin actually invented a device called the Anova. And it's a sous vide device. It takes a commercial cooking um, principle and applies it to residential yeah. and you know that blew up around the world and so you know that was my cousin's company and so when I figured that out I literally asked to go and work for him you know where I could and so he asked me to go to America he actually offered to pay me at first and I was like no 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 my ego got in the way and I was like yeah no 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 I don't need to go work for you I'll figure it out myself I'm going to become a millionaire myself I'll become successful myself and then you know that deal slid away you know it's a couple hundred thousand dollars worth in that deal um and then after that, I went to work for him for free. I slept on the couch. You know, I ended up, you know, three months living in America, sleeping on the couch and following him everywhere. You know, I was getting him food. I was getting his whole team food. I was, you know, I was pretty much the office bitch. And um, I not only did that, but then off the back of that, they saw my potential. I grew from there, started handling sales. I started training the people as well. And I started, you know, you have to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, I fucked up because I had a door open for me. I closed that door in my own face. I had to reopen that door, start from absolute zero again, prove myself. Once I've proved myself, then I get given more opportunities. I and mean, whilst getting given more opportunities, I have to be appreciative and grateful for it. And then that's where I learned the most. And that's where I met the most billionaires in my life. Mm. And, you know, meeting billionaires is, well, quite rare. There's only, what, 3,800 billionaires in the world, you know, and in Australia, there's probably only a handful of them. And so to be able to meet a billionaire and not just to meet them, but have dinner with them, spend time with them is quite rare. And because of that, I was able to spend time with multiple millionaires, uh, billionaires, sorry, and multiple people worth in the high seven, eight, nine hundred million dollars and actually, you know, communicate with them and talk about business with them. And it was all because I decided to let my ego go and go, fuck it, I need to learn. And I will suck ass for the next mm -hmm. however many months just to figure out if I can get in proximity with some of these people. And I learned some of the craziest shit in my life. And mm. I've seen some of the craziest things that the high elite do and, you know, how the world works. And, you know, these are people that can literally change schooling systems overnight. Yeah. And um, it was really, really interesting. It was fascinating to see. And that kind of opened my eyes up to how the world works and, you know, how business works and how you can actually create something out of nothing and yeah. all of that. So it's very, very fascinating to go so down that pathway. The world is a like, business is a game, yeah. right? Business yeah. really is a game. If you know how to play by the rules, yep. you can be really successful. Was there anything when you sat down with those billionaires um, that was actually surprising to you? You thought, oh, I had no idea. Honestly, a lot of these billionaires are super old, right? And yeah. so they just had a 70-year head start on us, realistically speaking. And in terms of competitive advantage-wise, like we have what they have. Like some of them are actually really amused by what I was doing at the time. You know, I was doing network marketing and my cousin really wanted me to help him build a network marketing company or MLM for some people's sake. And he really wanted me to create an MLM company for a cannabis business of his over there. And so... These billionaires were really fascinated by that. They were fascinated why someone so young like me would want to dive into an opportunity like MLM, whereas a very old business structure. And they were fascinated by, you know, my sort of um, endeavors in there as well. And so they really liked to learn from me, like what I thought about business and, you know, the fresh perspectives as well. But realistically speaking, they're not that much different. They just played the game longer. They have the resources and they can swing the right tools. Um, billionaires are a different breed. You know, they don't, they don't 
conform to the rules of society anymore. They have their own set of rules and they can do whatever they want. And so it's really, really interesting to see that, hey, look, they were really unhappy. I remember overhearing a conversation and they were like, they were really unhappy with the schooling system because he was like, um, I can't remember exactly who said it. He was like, oh, you know, right now the schooling system's been training a lot of these drones uh, for the workplace, but they're really incompetent. Like the skills that they're learning for uni, it's not really working well for our firms. So like, I think we need to change the syllabus. We need to change something about it so that, you know, they can have some more critical thinking in XYZ areas so that they can be better workers. And so the discussions around the dinner table are of that caliber where you're changing systems and processes in order to train and nurture more people in order to be better employees. And it's like, it's really interesting to hear that stuff in real life because we only hear about it in stories. We only hear about it in rumors and conspiracies and shit like that but that's a fact like that's literally reality you know what are you going to do like these people are literally powerful enough to go hey let's go lobby this politician and change the syllabus for this this course and let's go change the way this education you know platform is built and that's the really crazy thing and when you learn about these billionaires and you learn about these multi-millionaires that are out there you know people that are literally worth hundreds of millions of dollars and you ask them how did you do it you know a lot of them started off in all sorts of random businesses Paper, some guy that we met owned the ink that your money is printed with. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> so random. Yeah, literally. And he, but for, you don't think about it. You don't think about it. So, yeah. literally, for every note that's printed, he makes a couple of cents for every note that's, that's pretty sick, man. Ever printed. Like, that's insane. It reminds me of the when I worked in the bank before yeah. as a teller. Yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was a guy that came in and paid the school fees for his daughter, and he was doing a bank check and mm. asked, How are you going to pay for it? It was about a quarter of a mil. Yeah, right. he was an international student. She, he goes, "I'm paying cash." The heck, man! So yeah. I try to, I try to work out like, what do you do? Yeah, you know plastic containers. Yeah. for our takeaway. Yeah, yeah. His company in Guangzhou makes all that. Yeah, there you go. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's crazy. So like, simple, right? It's crazy, and a lot of people overthink business, right? They go, oh, "I need, a, I need the next big thing. I need, yeah. a, I need the next trending product." Or you the next don't. Time. You don't. Like, what's I, the problem <coughs> that people need, right? I literally talked about that before. The person that creates this cup is probably a multi, multi-millionaire. That's right. The person that's doing these straws is probably now a billionaire. You know? <laughs> it's crazy. So a lot of people don't think about it that way. Everyone wants to make a cool product. Yeah. For me now, I'm actually trying to wind back. I've, I've set a lot of trends in Australia for my businesses, right? Every business that I've started is a, is a new trend yeah. or two of them in the, in the last two years anyway. But we've built these trends. But yeah. now I'm trying to wind back. I'm going, shit, well, what's a product that's kind of inconspicuous but also allows me massive amounts of recurring income? Right. Right? Because trends are temporary. They mm-hmm. last anywhere from 18 months to 36 months. Yep. So why would I bank on a trend? Yes, sure, I can make you know lots of money very quickly, but it's not long. there's no longevity to it. So I'm like thinking now, well, how do I wind back my businesses and think about something that's more, you know, that, that has more longevity? Right. And for me, that's why I started my agency. I'm going to do something new as well coming up um, uh, more so like in the later half of the year, working yep. more towards something to do with my personal brand. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more focused on something that I can offer in terms of value to the world rather than just creating these trends that people can kind of be excited about. Right. Yeah, so it's really, really interesting. Like a lot of these billionaires, they build businesses in a way that you never imagine. Yeah. But realistically speaking, the opportunity now versus 50, 60, 70 years ago, mm-hmm. we have vastly, vastly more opportunities than yeah. what we used to have. And that's really, really exciting for us. It's just a matter of, well, fuck, it's just a matter of we're so distracted now. There's too many opportunities. We don't actually know what, which one to focus on. Yeah. And Okay, let's dive into that then. So for you, um, I know that you're looking into social media as yep. well, yep. Uh, marketing. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about what you do. 
So I recently launched an agency called The Foo Agency. Um, we've done quite a few um, interesting- As in your last name, right? Fu? Yeah, my, my okay. last name's yeah. Fu. Yeah, so my last name's Fu and um, it's actually quite an interesting play on words because in English it means fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but in Chinese it means rich. <laughs> That's right? true. It didn't hit me. Yeah, right. In English it means fuck you. But in, in, in Chinese, Chinese- yeah, Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, Chinese, Chinese yeah. it means, it means um, wealth, good luck and rich, right? Yeah. Good fortune and wealth, right? So, so it's a double play. So um, a lot of my clients are actually Asian because there's not many Asian marketing agencies out there and there's not much Asian representation and it's really good that because I speak Mandarin I can actually communicate with a lot of these business owners um, and we have a couple of big name clients as well so it's kind of like okay we, we started this agency for very simply because my friends asked me who did my marketing you know a lot of my brands have gone viral super viral we've done over 200 million views in the brands in the last two years you got those um those painting what are they called we have the fluid bears the fluid yeah. bears yeah, so yeah. we did fluid project that went super viral and then you know we have a lot of copycats now we did Cheeky Glow which was also another super viral brand yep. um, what, know, is, what was Cheeky Glow Cheeky Glow was, it, um, it's an exfoliating glove so we ah. do a lot of self care stuff so we've expanded our range to about 15, 16 products now Did that come from your health background yeah uh, not so much it actually came from my ex-girlfriend so she's from Harabing in China which is ah, a super yeah. cold region yeah the top um, and for them it's actually a tradition to do uh, bath houses and scrubbing ah. so it's actually a very ancient Chinese tradition from millennia ago mm -hmm. and it's exfoliation because it's got great health benefits and so she actually went back to China pre-COVID um, to do well just to visit family yeah. and she experienced this tradition again and reminded her and she's like oh shit do we have something like this back at home and the answer was no or very slightly and so we were like fuck it why don't we build something like that and so we built that business and yeah that business took off and went pretty viral very quickly um, and then we'd have a couple of other businesses that have gone quite viral as well but you know it's yeah, when it comes down to it, um, it's, it is very, very interesting to be building all these different types of businesses. And and so when I started Foo Agency, it was a matter of, hey, I've done this before for my own businesses. Mm -hmm. I've, got, I've generated over 200 million views. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about marketing nowadays, it costs about 20 bucks for a thousand views, right? Or a thousand exposures. And so if you do the mathematics on 200 million divided by a thousand, you know, you can kind of calculate the amount of advertising spend that I've saved over the last two, three years, right. which is in the millions, right? But that's also, like, I know because of direct results, you know, how many, how many, how, like, how much money or how much revenue that, that that amount of views has been able to generate me, which is kind of almost free. If it's not free, it's kind of like discounted because everyone that's in the business game knows that there is paid marketing and there's organic marketing. And the thing is, anyone can do paid marketing and there's a shitload of agencies for paid marketing nowadays and not all of them are good. In fact, most of them are quite shit because they're all a bunch of like 16, 17, 18 year olds <laughs> trying to sell ads for you who know nothing about advertising and consumer psychology. Yeah, give me your money, I'll just put it on Facebook. What? Pretty much, That's pretty it, much. Yeah? Oh yeah, give me a thousand bucks a month and you have to have $4,000 a month of ad spend, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so the whole principle behind me starting this agency was a lot of friends were starting to ask me who does your content because I was going viral all the time and their social media presence is close to zero. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, oh, well, I can't refer you to an agency because I do it. Like my business does it. My team does it. And so I decided to start this agency because, well, organic content is starting to grow significantly. TikTok is a platform that allows you to go viral. And I'm sure you've seen that with your own you know, podcast as well. Um, it's a platform that allows you to become nobody to somebody overnight, mm -hmm. which is very exciting because that hasn't happened in the last five, six, seven years. Um, you know, Instagram is already way beyond that stage where, you know, that random discovery rate of a new person or a new account is very rare. And so, you know, TikTok and short form videos is becoming increasingly, you know, more accessible. 
and more and more people want to do short form video. And so like, I was like, well, like YouTube. Yeah, not just YouTube. Like YouTube is a lot more long form, right? 5, 10, 15, 20 minute videos. Uh, yeah, yeah. Short form videos like your Clips, five right? seconds to 60 second videos. And TikTok built a platform for that, right? Mm-hmm. And it allowed it to grow and propagate exponentially, extremely rapidly. And TikTok became, you know, the most used social media platform, you know, in the last two years. Yeah. And it's been a very quick growth for it. And the reason why it's so prominent and businesses are being built overnight on it, literally overnight, is because... Um, Right now, in terms of the paid advertising space, it's getting more increasingly expensive, right? The advertising cost has been going up and up and up. Like my own personal advertising cost has almost tripled in the last 24, yeah, 24 to 36 months. My advertising cost has almost tripled. My return on ad spend obviously has been getting eaten up because of that. So it almost gets to a point where the money you spend is not worth the money you receive anymore. Yeah. And the only way to boost that back up is to have good organic content where you can consistently take a business viral. And to give you an example, one of my businesses went viral. We did about, I think it was about 4 million views over a period of seven days and we made $250,000. Shit. So quarter of a million dollars in seven days. Yeah, not bad, man. Because of a single viral video. What was it? What was the con- what, what were you selling? So it was one of my uh, one of my e-commerce businesses. Okay. So yeah. And then so, you know, to be able to do seven days, mm. quarter of a million dollars, you don't really get that very often. Mm. Um, and so that's the crazy thing you want to think about is, well, what can that do for your business? Your business may not be in a position where it can go viral, but what if it does? Mm-hmm. What if you have content that allows your business to go viral, if not, you know, once every three months, once every two months, once every month, you just all of a sudden overnight, you get 5 million views on your business. What does that mean for you? If your average conversion rate is call it 0.5% on a million views, you're going to have at least an extra what? 500 customers mm. in your business overnight. If you get 5 million views, an extra 2,500 customers in your business overnight. Right. So you can kind of see where the numbers start to work, right? Whereas if you have an e-commerce business, say your e-commerce business is doing 10, 20, 30K a month, and now you're producing content on a daily rate. If one of these pieces of content all of a sudden generate a million views, you'll start to see your sales probably spike an extra 100, 200, 300 orders for the day. And it absolutely is game changing. For a small business to get a viral video like that, not only does it put you on the map, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it helps you sell out your inventory and now people actually know who you are. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but you have a viral video now, which you keep. It's an asset that you can use. And because this video is viral, it means it's people- got the numbers. Correct. Yeah. And, and people want that video. They want to see that video. So what can you do? You can now start to use that video to drive ad spend. So whether you drive ad spend on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, Pinterest even, you now know there is a proven video that people want to watch. So organic content is not just, the value of organic content is not just, hey, we got five views, 500 views, 5,000 views, 50 million views. The value of organic content is not only can it give you an instantaneous explosive growth in your business, but also at the same time, give you a proven piece of asset that you can then utilize for more things like paid marketing Mm. and you can utilize in more things in terms of like reaching your audience. So So it's really cool. Does different industries or different um, products have different ways to get make it go viral? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no industry, no one industry is the same. But that's why with the agency wise is we like to focus on quantity. You know, when we have a client come to us, they're usually, we're producing them anywhere between 16 to 30 pieces of content a month. You know, and we want to continually test until we figure out what angle works for a certain client. You know, it's very important because what might work for you might not work for me. You know, you have a mortgage business. I have an e-commerce business. Mm -hmm. So to sell your mortgage business is going to be completely different to how I sell an e-commerce product. 
you know, it's going to be very, very different. So it's up to us as an agency to kind of figure out with you because you're the business owner. You know your business best. You know your customers best. But us as an agency to tell that story on your behalf, you know, because you might not necessarily have the skills, the angles, the trends, the hooks, the call to actions to be able to bring that to life. Mm -hmm. And so as a marketing agency, what we do is we need to be able to figure out that and work together with you hand in hand to figure out how to best bring your product to the world. For example, why is 1014, why is this milk tea good? Like it's a pretty random brand. Not many people have heard of it before. It's quite new compared to your big big dogs like Gong Cha or Cha Time or Easy Way, which is now gone, mm -hmm. you know? These are Fuck, some I miss of the, Easy Way. Do you remember, remember yeah, Easy Way? So nostalgic, Bro, man. Literally. So like, you know, they were one of the biggest. Do you remember the blue colour? Yeah, the blue oh, colour. I used yeah. to go after school all the time. But like, I've never heard of 1014 before. So what's the story behind 1014? Why is it called 1014? Why is this milk tea good? Like, this is actually quite a nice milk tea. It's not overly sweet. You know, the flavour of tea is quite good. Like, why is this different? And, you know, people don't know that story. So if they don't know that story, why should they be buying this over Char Time, which is a bigger brand, right. which has 500 branches in Australia. Gong Cha has 500 branches. You have like three stores. Like, you know, why should they come and try your thing? And that's the whole purpose of having social media is to show your audience that mm. you exist online. You actually want to listen to them. You actually want to show them that you're part of their community and you're building content, not just for your business, but you build the content for your community to show people you exist and to show people that you actually care about them and you're thinking about how to best allow them to understand what your product is I always say this you can have the best fucking product in the world you have invested thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars into research but if you can't connect that to the world and people cannot see what your fucking amazing product is yeah. it is worth absolute fuck all zero mm -hmm. and that's just fact so product plus story right it's not correct. just the product by itself correct. Just product can't be a, good pro a good product by itself people always say oh, a good product always sells itself it only sells itself because you've got great UX great fucking marketing great branding behind it you think if I had the most amazing product and I just chucked it on the table and no one knew what it was that it will sell itself Yeah, there ain't no way you know, even if the thing cures cancer, it's never going to move itself. One of the best ones I saw recently, you know, um, that, you know, that Dylan Mulvaney. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So they, Bud Light, you see that? <laughs> yeah. And then did you see, uh, so, so Bud Light obviously gave Dylan Mulvaney all of these beers and stuff like that. People across America are going, what the heck is this? I hate this. This is not what we do. And then so Budweiser took advantage of that. <laughs> they released like an ad like two weeks after yeah. that. Yeah. Like a horse riding through all the landmarks of America yeah. and go, this is the original Bud. Yeah. <laughs> see, Bud Budweiser, I think has absolute amazing marketing team. I don't, so and that's, cool. That's not the first time they've done something like that. Yeah. They're always challenging the concepts of society. They're always challenging their competitors. And I think it's really good because they're engaging in community interaction. Yeah. And you know, that's a great marketing team to be able to do that. That's, that's why they get paid the big bucks. You know? That story, man. It's that story. Yeah. It's telling yeah. the story. It's really, really important. Like, honestly, I actually, I see these guys pop up and I have, I have no clue about them. The reason why I actually try them is because I love trying different bubble teas, to be honest. Yeah, me too. But, you know, I, I if I didn't like trying different bubble teas, well then fuck, if there's a char time next door, why would I go to these guys? Right, right. You know what I mean? And that's the difference that social media can do. And a lot of people might think it's a lot in terms of an investment, but realistically speaking, if I bring in a team of like one, two, three people into your business that understands social media, that understands content creation, mm -hmm. that's worth a lot mm -hmm. because, you know, all it takes is one video to go viral and then you'll get your ROI in terms of X amount for months to come, mm -hmm. you know, and that piece of content has the possibility to go viral again and again. Mm. And that's what we've noticed on social media as well is mm. when a piece of content goes viral, 
two three two three weeks later go viral again two months later it might go viral again oh so it come back it right? literally comes back so yeah. yeah a couple of my videos have come back maybe three four times yeah and every single time it's an extra 50,000 100,000 200,000 views yeah so that's just how the algorithm hey, some, works some of your popular ones are like relationship advice man that's yeah. just, how'd you get into that uh, actually it's it's fascinating right like I came out of a very long relationship uh, with my ex. So we were together for about eight years. Wow. Yeah, very long relationship. So we kind That's of grew up together. That's seven year itch, right? Once yeah, you yeah, the seven, point, yeah like- pretty much. So just, just before our eight years, we kind of broke up. And so for me, like relationship is one of the core pillars of my life. It's very important. Mm. For me, there's only two things I really care about or three things I care about. My family, mm-hmm. you know, my girlfriend or mm-hmm. my wife, at, you know, whatever in the future mm-hmm. and my business because, mm-hmm. you know, those, cool. those are the sort of things that I really, really care about. Like a true Asian. Yeah. Correct. Like of a true Asian. <laughs> Correct, right? Because the relationships in your life are very important. You know, my friends are very valuable to me. My mm-hmm. team is very valuable to me but everyone needs to prove themselves right but regardless of proving themselves or not there is a certain level of respect and values that you must hold for each other and for me relationships are very important it's like uh, after I went through that breakup you know it was a very depressing time for me like that's the first time I ever faced depression and you and, you oh. and I as like men know like we we face relationship problems very differently to how women face relationship problems, right? And so as men, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, but mm. we have a lot of pressures in life that are external, um, you know, in terms of providing. We have to figure out how to make money. We need to figure out how to provide for our partners mm. and our family. We need to figure out how to make money and be successful. But combined on top of that, we have to figure out our partners. And a lot of us, we forget about that. And I think what for me in my last relationship was really bad was I thought too much about business and I thought too little about her which meant that I lost track of what was very important to me at the time and so that was a big mistake on my behalf and you learn a lot from that mm-hmm. you know you you lose people important to you because not because you're a shit person but because you don't pay them enough attention and so and that's that's something that was very important for me um, and I started to explore relationship a lot and um, I started to talk about it a lot because people always ask me, you know, people go, you know, you're, you're this young, quote unquote, successful dude. Like, what do you look for in girls? And a lot of my, I used to do a lot of these anonymous question things. And a lot of the questions that I asked is, would you go on a date with me? Or, you know, what type of girls are you into? And I was like, what the fuck? Like, my, my, my inbox is literally filled with two types of questions. What types of girls are you into? What's a good girl? What's a high value man? What's a high value woman? And how do I start this business? What business should I start? What should I do with X amount of money? Like, those are literally the two categories of questions, you know? And I was like, what the fuck? Why this do is people my brand. Want- I was like, all right, well, that's, that's what I'm going to talk about then. If that's what people want to know from me, that's yeah. what I'll talk about. Yeah. And so this whole high-value man, high-value woman thing came to, came to life because, yeah, like relationships are very important. Yeah. And I value it a lot. Yeah. And I think um, for a man to have the right woman beside you is an amplifier. You know, I see women as multiplication in your life. You know, you can be a man and all you do when you eat, meet other people in life is you continue to add into your life. Yeah. However, when you meet the right woman in your life, she begins to multiply mm-hmm. certain areas of your life. And she can multiply the shit parts and she can multiply the great parts. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important to know how to choose. And for me, I'm a person who is... I'm very visual, like in terms of I know exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. So the type of person that I want is X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. I have like a list of like fucking 100 things that I want in a girl, you know. And although it's not possible to have all of it, you do know that, hey, there are some core fundamental things that you want in a person. These are the things you can work on. These are things you can develop together. You can grow together. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just become a part of my sort of narrative is that I talk a lot about what a high-value man is and what a high-value man should do in terms of men, like our responsibilities as men for the 
people in our lives, not just the females, but, you know, for our family, mm-hmm. what the responsibilities are there too. And ultimately, you know, that's what brought a lot of my fan base or audience base to start asking me, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a girl and I want to have a high value man. What should I do? And, you know, what should I do to become a high value woman? So I started to kind of explore that topic a lot because my friends love talking to me about that. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah what are some values you see in a, a high valued man? What are some core values that you see in? Well, high value man, you should be courageous. I mean, you should definitely have the balls to go and pursue what you want in life to I think the most important thing in a high value man is responsibility. Yeah. It's not so much responsibility for like, you know, your fuck ups or whatever. It's literally responsibility in your life. That's the highs and the lows. Right. You, know, you should be able to celebrate yourself, the highs, the lows, the fucking horribles, the in-betweens, you know, everything. You should have responsibility. That's incredibly important for quote unquote a high value man. And so, you know, that's something that I talk about a lot. That's probably one of the core things, um, you know, having the courage to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, is very, very important for a high value man as well. You know, I genuinely think you should lead yourself, the people around you, you know, your partner and your be family. A and your family. Yeah, yeah. I hundred percent believe. Be a leader. Yeah. Be a provider. Yeah. You know, be a provider in the sense that you can help people in terms of emotionally providing, financially providing, you know, you know, physically being able to support your people around you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's very important for a man to be strong and capable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I always find that really shocking when people go, Oh bro, I don't know how to change a tire, or I don't know how to change a light bulb. <laughs> You know, and like, I I, I always say this, right? I'm saying to my friend, like, you know, we just went down to Melbourne to build our shop. Imagine, you know, we had people down here who didn't even know how to cut a piece of wood. And we're like, fuck, bro, imagine that. And so we're just sitting there thinking, well, we don't know any men in our lives who don't know how to do that. Like my father himself, my my grandfather, these are guys that were tough. Yeah. You know, at that time, my grandfather, he was in the military, you know, he lived in like, he went through jail because of the... Chinese Cultural Revolution. Right. He slept on the streets of Beijing fighting his case. You know, he slept under a bridge. He did all of that. Shit, yeah, yeah. He lost everything when he was young because of the whole communist regime. You know, my dad grew up without a father at the age of like eight. Yeah. You know, and he went through all sorts of different places. They lived in the winters where it was cold. They needed to hunt. They needed to get their own food. You know, they had to go to school, deal with bullies. They had to create a life for themselves. Sounds like my grandpa. You know, literally, right? That's the sort of stories. And you sit there and you go, fuck, that's, that's pretty crazy. Although, that's not going to happen to us nowadays we got but, a good but yeah we have a so good which we makes good. us soft you know yeah, good right. times make men soft and so for a lot of us we have to be strong physically mentally emotionally mm-hmm. I think it's very very important to be a stoic male you don't need to be an alpha male because there are so many different categories like like the whole alpha, beta, omega, gamma, delta, different types of males Yeah, you know and different archetypes but ultimately at the end of the day you've got to be a person that takes responsibility for yourself. You've got to be a person who stands on your own two feet and you have to be capable. Mm. And I think that's very, very important. Like if you're an incompetent man, it means that there are so many things in life that you don't get to enjoy. Mm. And competency is going to be very, very important if you want to be high value and want to have high value relationships and people in your life. Principles and values. If a man can stand on his principles and values, and this is what my dad taught me as well. He says, I don't have very many things in the world, but I have principles and I have values and I stand by that. I agree. Hey, you know what? He's like my freaking hero. I agree. Like, look, a a man without integrity is not a man at all. Mm. And for me, it's very, very important. Like every time I meet someone who lies to me and I catch them lying, Mm. every time I meet someone that tells me something, then I figure out they've been talking shit behind my back. Like when you lose that wall of integrity, then that's all, that's, it's game over. And loyalty. hundred percent. Integrity, loyalty, you know, those are very, very important things because I'm more than happy to share everything with my team. I'm more than happy to create opportunities, build opportunities and give. I'm very generous. However, the second I know that you're a snake, the second I know that you have been going behind my back, that's it. Mm. I, I will know, but I'll never tell you. 
And mm. so, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I hear a lot, I see a lot, I have a lot of people reporting to me, a lot of people that tell me things. And so I find out a lot of things, you know, and, you know, they may never find out that I know what they have done. Yeah. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's changed, like it changes our dynamics and it changes, you know, how our relationship with each other. Of course. High value woman? Where, what do you see in that? What do you Well, high value woman, loyalty is number one. Yeah, like yeah. obviously that's very, very important. I think for a, like, you know, the saying always goes for every strong man is what? An even stronger woman. Right? Yeah. Behind every well, scripture man. says that he who finds a wife is a blessed man. So, well, yeah. Well, yeah. well, there you go. I'm not a I'm not a very religious person, yeah. but you know, I can imagine that that's a great, you know, a great thing to have. And so, in terms of high value women, loyalty is very, very important. You know, I think a man is able to weather any storm if he had the right woman behind him, you know, and the right person supporting him by his side. By his mm. side. And I think that's very, very important, that loyalty side of things. And she's got to be so loyal to the point that a man cannot have a single inkling of doubt, mm. you know, and that allows a man to focus on the things that are important for the family. You know, I think it's, it's quite interesting, especially in the Asian culture, men usually tend to focus on the family unit as something as... Uh, there's something that's greater than themselves, especially in Asian culture that I found. Um, I'm not sure if it applies to other cultures too, but in Asian culture, a lot of the men, they would rather self-sacrifice um, than to allow the family unit to fa like fail or to fall to some sort of you know mishap. And I find that very, very interesting. And the reason why that happens is because they trust that the woman's got it back at home. They trust that the woman is capable. And so for a high-value woman, definitely loyalty is very important. Mm -hmm. For me, it's the second one is competency. Like I find incompetency such a turnoff. Um, competency is so important as a woman because I want to know that whether you have me or not, you're capable. Independence, Independent, right? yeah, and yeah. you're strong. Like, like I, don't, I, I can leave you here amidst my friends yeah. and you're not going to look like an idiot. Yeah, correct, <laughs> correct. Like, I want to be able to be certain that, hey, if I take you into a meeting, you got it on your own. Yeah. You know, you're able to stand on your own two feet. Like, if I gave you a task or yeah. you're helping out. I want people to you know, see you for yeah, you. Yeah, correct. I, want, I would much rather be able to stand here and say, hey, this is my co-founder without people saying, hey, look, oh, Alan just wants to do that because, you know, he's married to her. Right. I want people to be like, oh, shit, she's his co-founder because she's fucking... She's a G. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. She's able to do this. She's able to handle herself. Shout out to my you wife. You're, yeah. a G. You're a G. You're a G, my girl. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what you want in this life. And you ultimately want that. You want someone that is loyal, someone that is capable, yeah. and someone that's going to go through thick and thin with you, right? Yeah. And that's, that's you know, they, they have to have that strong sense of perseverance. Right. It's very, very important to have that. And obviously, integrity. You know, you don't, you don't ever want anyone in your life that's going to be inauthentic and lie to you or do things behind your back. You want to be very authentic with each other. That's very, mm. very important. So in terms of high value women, definitely develop that competency, be loyal. Um, and yeah, just, just, yeah, definitely focus on growing yourself because that's very, very important. Like mm. as much as you might think, Hey, I don't need to do much. I can just pick up a rich man or whatever. I can just look beautiful, look pretty, but there is always going to be someone that's more pretty than you, more beautiful than you, higher intellect than you, higher drive than you and more successful than you. So the question is, why can't you be that person too? And mm -hmm. it applies to men as well, right? It's not just for women. It applies to men too. So if you really want to be that high value person, there's always going to be someone better. The question is, why is that not you? So you just always got, you always have to work towards that. Have Good to be shit. continually growing. Good shit, man. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there is a, a, a amazing time in our life right now, and yep. I know that you're really passionate about this. But Asian representation, yeah, right. Why is that important <clears throat> to you? Look, 
I think as a minority, I mean, how many how many Asians are there in Australia? Like less than five percent. Really, I don't know. I actually don't know yeah. what the exact numbers are. But if someone can tell us that, but I great. know that Mandarin is now our second spoken language in Australia. Yeah, well, there you go. Which is great. Yeah, which is, that's awesome. You know, Mandarin is a pa- Mandarin is a powerful yeah. language. You know, come get it. Know, yeah, come exactly. It. If you know Chinese, you know Mandarin. You're going to be able to do business anywhere and everywhere. Um, you know, I think Asian representation is very important. I think leading up to this decade. Uh, there hasn't been too much of it, but with social media, I think platforms again like TikTok, you know, reaching prominence, it's actually very, very good for a lot of minorities. It's not even just Asians, you know. I've been seeing a lot of now indigenous people in the in the media space. I've been seeing now a lot of different cultures, different ethnicities, um, which has been really exciting. And mm-hmm. I think it's just a, it's a great thing in terms of Asian representation in Australia. I've always grown up in a community where you know there's been a lot of ethnic people around me, but I do know that that's a little bit of a bubble. You know, you step out into different communities and often like I was in Melbourne. When I was in Melbourne, every suburb that I was in, every time I went to Buddings Warehouse to get parts for the shop, me and my friend, we were the only were only Asians in the store. Right. You know, and that was there for the whole week. You know, I pretty much didn't see any other Asian face until I caught up with my friends for dinner. Um, and so for a lot of us in terms of the Asian side of things is I want to be a voice for our community. Uh, in terms of public perception, you know, a lot of people see Asians as weak or soft or soft-spoken or, you know, timid or shy. Like, we aren't that. We're feisty as fuck. Like, we fight, you know. And every Asian knows this. Like, especially uh, our Cabramatta Asian friends, you know. They, oh. they know we have a fight. They have a fight in them. Oh, so, it's like, you know. Don't exclude the Bankstown boys. <laughs> yeah, the Bankstown boys as well. There's always a fight. But in, in terms of the Asian culture, right, we, we have a fight in us, whether it's a fight to prove ourselves right or whether it's a fight, you know, because we were disrespected or whatever it is, a physical fight, emotional fight whatever fight you know we have a fight in us but the thing is we're not perceived like that in society Mm -hmm. we're perceived as we can be pushed around because we're maybe physically smaller or you know we're you know a lot of us are weak at english for example like our parents generation very weak at english Mm -hmm. and so they can be pushed around they can be bullied and we still see that all the time i still see it Mm -hmm. whether it's amongst tradies whether it's amongst like other corporate jobs or whatever it is Mm -hmm. people are always bullying the old asian man that can't speak english properly like Mm -hmm. We see that all the time. They take advantage of us. And so I think it's very important for us to have a voice. And there's not enough of us that try to do it. And it's really good to see that there's more and more of us doing it now. Um, I think in the Asian entrepreneur space, there's not many of us. Um, there's a few that we know of. Um, and there's a few that are reaching prominence and growing mm-hmm. uh, and have a footprint online at least, which is great. But there needs to be more. You know, There are so many so many intellectual successful Asian entrepreneurs and business owners and not even just that but influencers and you know people that are personalities who should be reaching more but we need more people to do good, more good things in this world. You know, a lot of people are famous because they do stupid shit. They do pranks or they tell jokes or they're comedians or whatever. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Entertainment is still a necessity. But in terms of education, growth and development, there's not many of us out there. Mm. You know, there's a lot of Filipinos now, a lot of Chinese. There's a lot of, you know, people from all sorts of different Asian backgrounds, Malaysians, Thai, Indonesians. You know, we need to all be able to have that voice in the society and so for me like having that Asian prominence is great I want that Mm -hmm. I would love to have more of us out there especially more of us you know Aussie ABCs you know Aussie born Chinese um, to actually speak up and to tell our stories because we have very interesting stories all of us have similar backgrounds of upbringing, but also we have such unique stories of how we reach the points where we are at in life and 
I think the more of us that do this, the more of us that create content, the better it is for the future. And, you know, the more we're able to bring the world into a more multicultural light right. where people are more accepting of each other and understanding of each other. And of course, it's going to take time, but it's uh, it's great that we have social media platforms, we have podcasts like this, we have all sorts of things like this. Mm. You being an Asian podcaster, um, it's great. Like, I love it. Yeah. Hey, I, I love that. Anyone you look up to, like, like a, someone that you aspire to be or something like that? I'm sure your parents are your parents are probably like your biggest role models. Yeah, yeah. I get asked this a lot now. Yeah. Um, a lot of people always Why like, now? Oh. I don't know. It's always strange. Like people ask me this all the time, like who do you look up to? Who's your mentor? All that sort of stuff, right? I get these questions all the time. And I actually haven't properly sat down and thought about who I look up to in a very long time. I've I've been so focused in trying to make myself the best version of myself. I haven't really thought about if there's anyone I would like to be. Maybe so, because I'm so contempt being myself. Nice. That's probably why. Well, what about if you had a, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be? Fuck, that's a hard question, bro. I'm the shittest person to ask when it comes <laughs> to names and people. Um, I, I Honestly, I'd love to have dinner with Elon because that guy's just so eccentric that like I, I'd love to just, just kind of like, I just want to know what's going on in his head. Like he's, he's crazy, but he's the world's richest man and he owns some of the world's biggest companies I'd love to have dinner with Elon he got balls man oh he's he's got big balls man he's got big balls he's, yeah. yeah he's got big balls I mean like literally probably physically too he's got like 15 kids as well doesn't he so, <laughs> <laughs> so at least it works right yeah, yeah absolutely so I mean well if you're the world's richest man I mean you can do whatever the fuck you want oh so. why not you pay so, all the kids yeah yeah, yeah absolutely you know? so, so, oh, yeah. Right. Elon would be a very very interesting one um, to have dinner with who else would I like to have uh, dinner with? Ooh, that's a great question. I'd actually, I'd actually like to have dinner with like someone like The Rock, a personality. And the reason why I want to do that is because, well, number one, he's actually a very good businessman. He's created some of the world's fastest growing companies by utilizing his own personal brand. I'd like to, I'd like to kind of see that and how he does that. I think that's very fascinating. Who else? If there was a third person, I mean. It's very cliche for people to say like Warren Buffett and stuff like that. I actually don't know too many that I want to. Maybe maybe Tony Robbins. Um, he's he's a very interesting one. Say also. I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like Tony <laughs> Robbins. Tony Robbins would be a great one as well. One of the the, the greats like Jim Rohn or something like that. Mm. Um, it'd be really good to sit down with a, like one of the personal development minds of our generation. Um, I don't think there's anyone specifically that I would really really super want to sit down with at the moment that I can think of, mm. but. You know, everything is possible in this world. You know, I always it's wanted true. to say I want to meet Gary Vee, so I met Gary Vee. I want to meet XYZ person, I'll meet them. I'll find an opportunity to meet these people, have a chat with them. And, you know, it's 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 stuff like that. Everything in this life is possible. So it's not like everyone is out of reach. There is always only like, what, two, three degrees of connection away from someone. Yep. And I'm sure there's going to be a time where it comes where I will find my way to Elon Musk or I'll find my way to someone. Yep. And if I really want to talk to someone of that caliber, well, I must first make sure that I myself can play with boys like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Can play in the realm of the big boys. And so if I want to do that, then I must first work on myself. And over time, whoever I want to have access to, I will have access to. Mm. And so ultimately, no one is out of reach. It's just a matter of whether or not you're in that circle. So, mm. you know, you can work your paws off to get there and then all of this will become a possibility. Don't need to make it a, if I could, it was, it'll be when I will. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are things to consider. Um, but yeah, man, fuck, there's a lot of people. It's just... I'm the worst of names and I'm horrific at recalling people that I'd really like to speak to or listen to. I don't yeah. even know musicians nowadays, so I uh, okay. genuinely don't care. So <laughs> yeah, I'd rather focus on being myself and doing my own thing. There's already so much to think about. Why yeah. do I need to think about someone else's life? Is know? there some is there some personal advice that you hold really close to your heart that you go, hey, this is my mantra? 
there's a lot of things that I've learned over the years uh, that I kind of practice. Um, one that I always think about, which always relates back to growth and development, actually comes from my mum. And this is something that I always think about for myself is she, my mum once told me this, she's like, every single dollar that you invest above your shoulders will always yield a return. And so a lot of people think, what the fuck does that mean? It's like, what, do you need to invest in makeup? You know, you want to do your hair so you look good. But no, what my mom actually meant in that moment was, you know, if you invest into your growth and development in your mind, so everything you put into your brain will always yield some sort of a return. And so for me, I've always practiced that. You know, every single time I look at spending money, I'm a quite a frugal person because I grew up quite poor. And so me and my family, we never really had money. We were almost bankrupt. We, had a, we ate out of garbage bins for a Shit. while. We're really poor. And so for me, I'm quite frugal. Grew up because, you know, because of that, obviously that environment, I'm very, very frugal. So I calculate whether I spend my money or not. And I think about it quite a lot. But every single time I come to a roadblock where I'm like, fuck, this is like $1,500. Is it going to, should I spend it on it? Like, you know, should I spend five grand here? Should I spend two grand here? Should I spend even a couple hundred dollars here? I go, will this help me grow? Uh, will it help me reach a level of happiness or relaxation that allows me to progress forwards? And if the answer is yes, I'll always buy it. So it's always been interesting. So whether that's books, uh, recently I started picking up um, shooting. So I started to buy my own guns. Nice. I've got my yeah, I've got my like gun license, and you know I'm going down to the range. Yeah. So you got to invest into bullets. You got to invest into a rifle. You got to invest into scopes. It's a very expensive hobby, you know. Like very quickly within getting my license, you know I'm ten grand down the drain because I wanted to buy rifles and blah 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 buy equipment. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, so what does that actually do for me? Well, number one, it trains my discipline. Yeah. Number one, it trains like it trains my discipline, trains my muscle memory. Mm. it allows me to settle think and breathe and be quiet and really like it's kind of like meditation to me and it allows me to develop a new skill and so I'm like okay when I sit down I think and I look at all the things that I'm purchasing every day I'm like well fuck what does that actually do for me like it's not going to make me money but will it bring me peace and if the answer is yes it brings me peace which then peace allows me to make more money then okay, this is a worthwhile investment, not just a purchase. And so I always think of things in that terms. Like, will, will I be? Will it be an investment? And obviously, um, you know, like because of that, and my mom's kind of instilled that belief into me now um, since I was young. For me, it's like okay, I think of everything in that perspective. You know, will this become an investment for me, or will this kind of be just an expense that adds no benefit into my life? So yeah, your Rolex was an expen- uh, investment then. It was. The Rolex was definitely an investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Rolex was definitely an investment, but also at the same time, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of access. And so whether it's watches, cars, um, certain things, um, you know, assets, that gives you access to different groups of people. I, I genuinely, I believe that's a great investment to make. It may not yield the return like a property will or 50K in stocks or, you know, or an index fund or whatever, mm-hmm. but... If you have a certain asset class or you have a certain asset, for example, if you own a Ferrari and you go to a Ferrari club or you own a Lambo and you go to a Lamborghini club, it's very different to, for example, someone who goes, hey, I just have a Toyota Corolla and I go to a car meet. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different. And, you know, if I can go to a Lamborghini club because I push myself to buy a Lambo and I stretch myself to buy a Lambo and I can go to a Lamborghini club and I meet someone that can generate me another extra $5 million of deals, well, the car's paid for itself. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly why, like, you know, um, same thing with my Supra. When I bought the Supra, like, you know, I bought it because, well, I knew that, one, it was a dream car, but two, it allowed me access into a certain group of people, people that 
ultimately wanted a sports car but didn't want a supercar. Mm. They were also in a wealth bracket, which was like, you know, upper middle class and, you know, allowed me access there. And the car's pretty much paid off itself in terms of just networking and being able to meet people and also the business that I've been able to do through the car. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just being smart with these sort of quote-unquote liabilities mm. that people see, but you turn it into assets. So much gold, man. Mm. Bro, thank you so much for all your, everything you shared, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Bro, Shongdi, jail. 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 Jail.